no excuse. I should follow my notes, and that way we'll hopefully finish on time. However, because we're dealing with such a big topic today, I don't know if I'm going to go for 30 minutes or two hours. So just bear with me, and we'll get through it all. Um, yeah, already people are leaving. <laughs> it really is good to see uh, Charity and Ben with us, and children. Um, Hopefully this still always feels like home. It must because you got up there and sang and kids are running around and that's the way it should be. And so it's really good to have you guys. It just warms our hearts. Um, so we're, we're going through the Apostles' Creed. And uh, last week we just started with its, an introduction to a bit of its history. Uh, and a uh, couple little comments. Um, some people asked me afterwards, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and that's We'll get to that, but not until August, I think. And so we weren't talking about the Holy Roman Catholic Church. We're talking about the Catholic Church, which seems... Catholic simply means universal. So the universal church of Jesus Christ. That's not a cult or denomination. That's us. Uh, It's everybody. Um, And whoever is dealing with that, we'll get into that later. But I just wanted to clarify, that's what we mean by the Holy Catholic Church, the universal church of Jesus um, and anything else, uh, if, I, if, if you hear something and you go, heresy, I'm here at the front or I'll be at the back. You can talk to me afterwards. We can clarify it. Um, but hopefully as we work through this, or, or any of our other speakers for that matter, uh, hopefully we'll be able to work through everything and, and just to make sure we are, we are clear in what we're teaching here. Again, the Apostles' Creed is the basics of the, of the Christian faith. And, uh, and so as we work through all this over the, the next 12 weeks, uh, it will strengthen you. It will give you an expanded view of what you believe, or maybe not so much, yeah, expansion and a depth that it'll add to what you thought you already knew or what you already believed in. It's interesting that the Apostles' Creed, one of the differences between it and the Nicene Creed, um, and they're very similar, uh, is that The Nicene Creed starts with, we believe. The Apostles' Creed starts with, I believe. And so as we go through this this morning, uh, always be thinking, what is it that I really do believe? And we're going to be touching a little bit on what other people believe as well. And so that's not a threat to us because we're talking about what is it that, that, what is my understanding of God? And so this morning we'll be looking at, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And our key verse would be, um, I changed things around. We'll get to the key verse, but I'll read it anyway so you know where we're going. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 3, when, when God is speaking to Moses and telling, calling him there at the burning bush um, and saying, I have a task for you. I want you to go and, and free the people, lead them out of slavery. Uh, and, and Moses asks him, what is your name? Who are you anyways, God? And so God says, God, in, there in chapter 6, it's a re- re- repetition of three, chapters 3 and 4, but God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, did I not also make myself known to them? So we're going to be looking at that a little bit later on. But I want to 
first of all, to walk us through a little bit of an, a, a generic understanding of spirituality. This isn't necessarily Christian. This is just some stuff out of the dictionary, out of some researchers. Because when we talk about the whole person, we talk about the body, mind, and spirit, or we talk about um, that we are far more than just the intellect, the emotions, the physical, uh, the, the social, but we also are a spiritual being. And so what is our understanding of spirituality? Because it's, there's something there within us that stirs us up. Um, and so very generically, we have the Cambridge Dictionary. And among other things, it says that spirituality is the quality that involves deep feelings and beliefs of a religious nature rather than the physical parts of life. So that's just a, a very, very quick basic trying to grasp a hold of what do we mean by spirituality that there's something beyond the physical uh, that that we all have that all humans have university of minnesota has actually been working on some research uh and trying to gain to grasp a hold of and so i'm going to take like a 120 page report and put it into one little paragraph here and and they said in general it includes a sense of connection to something bigger than ourselves. And it typically involves, <clears throat> sorry, a search for meaning in life. As such, it is a universal human experience, something that touches us all. That there, as part of being human, there is a desire for something beyond ourselves. And that's what they're, that's what they're, they spend the next 120 pages in the report talking about what do we mean by that. Talking about it from a, not necessarily a Christian perspective, just a human perspective on trying to grasp a hold of what do we mean by spirituality. Then there's two researchers who look at the brain and trying to figure it out. And they, they wrote, wrote a book called The Spiritual Brain. And they said spirituality means not just any experience that feels meaningful, but any experience that is thought to bring the experiencer into contact with the divine. That there is something that, that we're looking for experiencing, uh, something that is bigger and, and greater than who we are. And it's, it's a natural human uh, desire that's there built within us, that we all have this part of us that, that, that wants to seek after something bigger. So when I was taking some courses a few years ago, I had to write my own definition of spirituality. They didn't tell me I was wrong, so I'm going to share it with you. Uh, and, and that says, am I still on the right page? Oh, sorry. There's the Beauregard one. I should have had my name in bold. Sorry. Spirituality is the human recognition of a power that is infinitely greater than and beyond oneself. So we recognize that there is something bigger than, than who I am or any other human. And then followed by a desire to enter into a relationship with that power. So it's not just recognizing there's a power out there, but I want to be a part of it. I want to experience it. I want it to be a part of my life. And we come from the perspective, we approach it by naming that power God. And it is the realization that there must be more to life 
than what I'm just experiencing on the day-to-day, moment-by-moment life journey. The mystery does not stop there, though, and that while we have a yearning to be close to God, there is a, at the same time, there's that desire that this higher power, this God, uh, wants to have a relationship with me, too. So it's not just me chasing after something, but there's that hope in, in thinking, maybe that higher power is also chasing after me. And we call that relationship. So I share that because when we start to look at and say, I believe in God, or, or as one of the other uh, uh, creeds say, I believe in one true God. There's a, a natural human desire to, to, to believe in something that's bigger and better than, than who we are, that is more powerful. And so we could, and, and we find that expression oftentimes in what we call religion. And there are different religions of the world, and I'm not saying that we're all the same in these religions, but it, it's saying that, that the human experience in trying to, to discover this higher power, that, that there's something greater than us, starts to define that higher power, that God, in very similar fashions. Doesn't doesn't matter what the the religious scriptures and writings are, it doesn't matter what the teachings have been, it doesn't matter who the prophet has been, there is a description of a of this God that is a universal description. Not com- it's not a complete because each one has its own separate things, but there are also parts of it that we find some unity in. And so when we look at some of the the key major, what we call monotheistic religions, that's the the religions of the world that believe in one God, the one true God, six of them in particular or more, but six of them in particular, well, you probably can't see that. Um, But Judaism... Christianity, Islam, Sikhism, Baha'i, and Zoroastrianism all believe in one God only. Now their understanding of it's different, but they all almost all believe they all believe that God is eternal, that God was there before the beginning of time and will be there beyond the end of time, that God is not uh, Confined by time. God does not have outlook. They also all believe that this God that they're describing is the one who has taken time to create the earth, the people on the earth, everything connected to uh, the natural world, and the universe. They all hold to this. Except for Zoroastrianism. And they had a question mark. But they seem to hint at it. They all, except for Zoroastrianism, believe that this God is almighty, all-powerful. And we're going to look at that term a little bit later on. They all believe that God is just fair in all their dealings, that God is ethical, that God is moral, that, that God has expectations, that, and, but that God treats everyone with equality. And 
except for Baha'i, which I was actually surprising because Baha'i, they teach a lot. They, they emphasize love and unity, but they don't see God as being a personal God. But all the other religions talk about having a personal relationship with this God. That goes back to that initial definition or trying to understand what spirituality is. Now, again, I could put up lists just to clarify. I'm, I'm not preaching universal God. I'm just saying that the God is a universal God. Um, I, if, if that sounds like double talk, I'll try to clarify it without getting us stuck in this. Um, we have this, God has, let me back up. In order for us to understand God, God has to reveal God to us. Because we are finite beings and we're trying to grasp a hold of an infinite idea. It's like trying to look up at the stars and figure out where to space end. And at some, time, at some point it feels like your mind is going to blow because it's just too big. And so God takes time to reveal to God's creation little bit sides of what God is like. And all people can see that. Not all choose to see it, but it's, it's possible there in nature. It's possible there in relationships with each other. And it's possible in the teachings uh, because all tr- truth, all truth is, is from God. doesn't matter where you find it, right? We know that ultimately for us as Christians, we hold to the authority of this, the, the biblical teachings. But the teaching of love can be found elsewhere outside of Scripture. And so that's a universal truth that we ought to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, so, and, and that comes because God loves God's neighbor as God does. And so we have these signs of revelation that God is revealing to all of God's creation and saying, here I am. I'm here. Look at me. Listen to me. Come and walk with me. Come and experience me. We don't always catch it, but that's what God's desire is. God wants to have relationship with us. God is the one reaching down. Um, some of you know Emil Yango, um, better known as Jenna's father. And, uh, so he has done missions work in the Philippines, working amongst the Muslim community there in the South, uh, for 20 years. And, um, and so he's over there right now and he's been leading some workshops and, and teaching and, and doing a whole bunch of other things. Uh, but one of the things they did was they, uh, here, I'll just read his, his little, uh, note that he, he posted the other day. Um, for three days, 20 youths from three Muslim faith communities and two Christian faith communities worked together to research and discover for themselves what a joint Thanksgiving of peace would look like for them. We visited a couple of mosques, a Christian university, and a Baptist church. We asked questions, tons of them, to each other and also listened to each other. Lots of fun, good food, and sensitivities as eight of our Muslim participants were observing Ramadan. In the end, our thanksgiving of peace centered around pronouncement of, I forgive you, 
as throughout the sessions over three days, there were lots of confessions of believing, misinformed stories that resulted in personal biases and discrimination. The same God of Abraham, who is the God of Sarah, who is the God of Hagar, who is the God of Ishmael, and who is the God of Isaac, truly proclaimed his peace over each one. And so, faith with work is alive. We can work together. When we remove all those other things that that separate us, not asking for agreement, but saying, how can we understand each other? Because we do have one God who holds us and binds us together. That being said, we need to now move on to this idea of God and understanding God from a Christian perspective. And we're going, to, we're going to work through some of the characteristics of God and through some of the names of God and some of the actions of God. Okay, so now we are moving away from that generic understanding of God to now what is it that we mean in the Apostles' Creed when we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And so we're going to start with, again, some, some, base, some of the basic stuff. And you, a lot of this you can go, oh, yeah, I know this, I know this. That's okay. Because um, not all of us know it all. And so hopefully there'll be one thing you go, oh, I didn't know that one was on the list. And so we have the characteristics of God. And, um, oh, there's our verse. I knew I had it in there somewhere. So supernaturally, first of all, we want to look at some of those characteristics that God has. Um, and, and and trying to understand what it means to believe in an all-powerful supernatural God. So we believe that God is eternal, as I mentioned earlier. We believe that God is spirit. We believe that God is holy, that God is set apart, that God is different from us. We believe that God is all-knowing. God doesn't have to go to school. We believe that God is all-powerful. We believe that God is unchanging. And we believe that God is everywhere present. So God is here with us now. In different time zones around the world, God is with the people there. Some have already had their worship service, but God didn't leave them. God followed them home, doesn't stalk them, but God is there. God is all present everywhere. That's what we, so these are those, those characteristics of God that you and I can't have. We can't be all-powerful. We can't be all-knowing. We can't be everywhere present. We are not eternal. Our desire is to be holy like God, but God, we can never be God in that sense. That's what makes God different. But then there's another, or and there's another side. Big difference between but and and. I have to keep reminding myself. And that's that relational side of God. And so we believe that God is a God of compassion. That God feels my hurts and my pains. God is not just aware of them. But when I get the stabs. 
God feels those stabs. He suffers with me. That God is faithful. That when all else fails, when all my other relationships aren't working the way I want them to work, God is always faithful. God will be there for me. When I cry out to God, even when it feels like God isn't listening, God is listening. And I can have confidence in knowing that that God does hear my prayers and God will be faithful and just and that God loves to forgive me. God is faithful. And God is just. God is going to treat me fairly and he's going to treat you fairly and he's going to treat our society fairly and he's going to treat each culture, each ethnicity, each nation fairly and justly. That God has standards and, 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 and God says, this is what I expect. Here's, here's the way I, I, I designed you to live. God is loving. That God is, there's a little word, and I, I've said it here before, but I want to say it again. If you don't know any other Hebrew, you need to know the little word hesed. God will always love. That God is, it, it's usually translated God's unfailing love. That it just goes on and on and on. And it pours out like a river or an ocean. And, and that it, the depth of God's love is so deep. And it, the, the, the width of it is so wide. Um, that uh, we can't even handle all that love. We, just, we, we, we can only take a little piece of it. Because of, our in, because of our finiteness. But God is that kind of loving God. That God is personal. We're going to come back to that shortly. Good thing God is patient. Thank you, God. And God is forgiving. God is not up there with a hammer waiting to conk you every time you screw up. But rather, God is the God who loves to pour out forgiveness as demonstrated through His Son, but I don't want to go on to that because we're going to be dealing with that in a few weeks. So here we have the characteristics of God. Right? You've seen it. You, most of you know most of those. And hopefully there's just a, maybe one or two little things. You go, yeah, yeah, I didn't think of that. But there it is. But God also, or and God reveals God's self to us. Because it's, it's, it's so hard to understand this God. And trying to put God in a box just doesn't work. It's like putting God in a cardboard box just falls apart as soon as you, you put anything in. Um, if it's soaking wet. And, and, and it's just impossible to hold God into a box. But, and so some of the ways we know people, we know them by name. Even when we get the names wrong, we know them by name. And so because I have a last name that some people think is a first name... I get called Ryan an awful lot of times. And you know, I'm sick and tired of correcting people, so I just ignore it and go on. Um, and that's okay. It doesn't matter. I know they're talking to me, so if they get my name right or wrong, it doesn't matter. I worked with another fellow, Rick Tobias. Uh, some of you know Rick, and he's a big, burly Arab guy, Lebanese. Um, full head of hair, big beard, the whole works. I do not look like Rick. I do not talk like Rick. I don't, do not act like him. 
And yet I can't believe how many times I've been called Rick. My only hope is that he sometimes gets called Bill. And, and yet, when somebody calls me Rick, I know they don't really mean Rick. They mean me. And so I'm comfortable with my name, and I'm comfortable with sometimes people messing up my name. It doesn't matter, because I'm bigger than my name, and I have other ways of describing me. But we use names. So, so when we say someone's name, let's say, I don't know, um, Muhammad Ali. We automatically get some images in our mind of this man. And what he stood for. And so, um, and it's the same thing. Whenever we say a name, something comes to mind. So when we say God, something comes to mind. So we're going to look just briefly at some of the names of God. And so we have uh, Yahweh. We're going to come back to Yahweh in in a couple of minutes. Uh, But it simply means Lord. It comes, it's the derivative of of the, the verb to be. And so I am, we, uh, otherwise I'm going to get ahead of myself. Uh, we have Yahweh Sabaoth. Hopefully nobody else speaks any better Hebrew than I do. And so if you do, correct me after, not right now. Um, but simply means the Lord of hosts. And what they mean by hosts is the angels and the armies. That the God is the Lord over this heavenly army. That he's the captain, he's the general God is in, in control. Um, and so, for instance, it's God who collapsed the walls of Jericho. God fought on behalf of the Israelites because they didn't know how to fight. And God won the battle. There's a simple word, El, which is God. Again, we have our words. Hebrews have their words. Other cultures and, and languages have their words. Uh, but we all mean God. And that's the God that we read about when we read Genesis chapter 1. And so, on the first day, God. On the second day, God. On the third day, God. And in each of those days, God looked and saw that what, he, that what God created was good. That's the God. That's also the God that we talk about in John chapter 1. In the, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. God. Just a simple, and, and, and as soon as you hear the, the name, the simple name God, you already know what we're talking about. There's Elo, Elohim, which is the plural of God. And so it gets translated as God of majesty. So it's that royal we, you know, the queen says, we shall do this. God is the royal God who sits on the throne. The God clothed in majesty. The God is El Elyon, which means there are little, not that God believes in other gods, but other people do. And so there's the little gods down here, but there's the most high God, the, root, the one true God that is over and above all of the universe, that oversees everything. This great God that, whose expanse is beyond imagination. El Elyon. Adonai simply means Lord, superior. 
superior over humans, over nature, over other idols, over other gods, over each of us, and over all of the universe. That God is Lord Adonai. El Shaddai, we're going to come back to. Abba Father, the family bond, the warmth that comes. Don't worry, I'm almost done. God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai, but by my name, Yahweh, did I not make myself known to them? So we're going to look first at God Almighty. That when we think of God Almighty, we think you should think about Almighty love. Because sometimes we start with all powerful and we get afraid of God because of God's great and mighty, awesome power. But if we start with the great and mighty, awesome love of God, then the rest of the power is able to be accepted and, and, and held on to. That chesed. That God is a God of protection. Uh, that, that God is a God of justice. That God is sufficiency. That God is a God of more than enough. That God is the almighty creator. We think of the Exodus story. We think of, of God showing his power through the plagues and through the, the parting of the Red Sea. That God showed his power through Joshua and the judges and leading the, the children of Israel into the promised land and giving them the land. That we believe that God is the, the God of Elijah. And when he prayed, the fire from heaven came down and burned up the offering that was given there after all the water had been poured upon it. And then that God brought the rain because God was all-powerful and controls the rain. This is the all-powerful God that we're talking about. That this same God is the God who came and revealed himself to humans through coming down in the person of Jesus Christ. That God was the God who demonstrated the power of God in the miraculous miraculous signs and wonders, able to control the weather, able to produce food where there was no food, able to bring about healing where there was no other hope, that God was in charge of all things, that God could demonstrate the power whenever God chooses to demonstrate the power of God. And there, even on the, the day of of Good Friday and Calvary, we read there that darkness came upon the whole earth. And we read there that the dead began to rise from the tombs. Even on the darkest day when it felt like God died, God's all power was being demonstrated to the world. And that God is the God who sits on the throne, the judgment seat, in all God's glory and splendor, and will will judge the world with all righteousness and justice. That that is what we mean when we talk about the Almighty God. I revealed myself as God Almighty, 
to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They had seen, they had seen the demonstration of God's power. But God says, and there's a, there's a mistranslation in some of the translations, um, where some of the translations said, uh, say, but I did not reveal myself as Yahweh. But it was not meant to be a statement. It was meant to be a rhetorical question. But did I not also reveal myself as Yahweh to the patriarchs? Because God did. And we know that because we can go through the scriptures and we look at the personal name of God. I am the Lord. I exist, therefore I am. I am the great I am. I am the one from time eternal, from, from before the beginning. I am the one who is waiting at the end of time. I am the one who was. I am the one who ever will be. I am the one who is right here and now at this very moment. I exist and I am active and I am concerned and I am involved. That is the God of I am. I'm behind myself. Give me one more. Doesn't matter because we got it. Because God is ever present as we talked about. As being I am means that I am all the time I am. I am not part of the past. I am not part of the future because I am always. Because there is no past or future. When I am, I am. That's what we're referring to. And so when we look at the stories of scripture... We find a God who is up close and personal. Oh, my battery has run out. No matter if I jump up and down. Oh, just lost it completely. That's okay. Because I'm going to get through this stuff. Oh, there he is. There it is. It's hard to find a good picture that describes God as up close and personal. So just use your imagination. Because sometimes I feel like I'm Winnie the Pooh. And I just want to be with Christopher Robin. And so when I look at scripture, I try to understand this great I am. One of the first exposures I get to this great I am is God's got God's hand stuck in the mud. And God is playing. This is my image of chapter 2 of Genesis. God is playing in the mud and having fun like a little child with, the, with the, the end goal of an artistic rendition of a human. And then God takes that artistic rendition of the human and goes, ah, and breathes in life, and that rendition, that artistic rendition comes to life. But up close and personal, God is getting God's hands dirty to create us and having fun doing it. And then in chapter 3 we read, God walks with them in the garden. This is a God who is up close and personal. This is a God who walks alongside with us. We find God again in, in Genesis, where he, in chapter 17, and God is having a meal with Abraham and Sarah. And God is not the one who's prepared the meal. God has allowed Sarah to prepare the meal and be served by Sarah. Hospitality. That God is up close and personal, sharing in an intimate meal with this couple. And that God is the God who matchmakes 
with Isaac and Rebecca. And I can just picture God up there giggling as he's having fun bringing this, this couple together. And that God is the God we read a little bit later on. I believe it's chapter 33. God is wrestling, literally wrestling with Jacob. He knows he can take him. But it goes on all night, the wrestling match. God up close and personal. God is the God who says, I have heard the cries of my people and the groaning of what it means to be a slave in Egypt. And it has stirred my heart. God, the God of who is up close and personal. The God is the God who gives in to the doubts and fears of Gideon, where he puts out the fleece and, and, and says, God, well, if, you, if this is real, you better show me. I need proof. That God is the God who calms King Saul's troubled mind through giving him the harp of David. That God is the God who inspires David with the gift of music and poetry. And that God is the God who provides for a widow and her son through a, sam- through, a sam- through a famine. That God is the God who chooses to reveal through becoming by becoming a baby. That God is the God who hears the confessions of a dying criminal. That God is the God who says, call me father. That God is the God who forms me in my mother's womb, that God is the God who knows me by my name, William Joseph Ryan, and gets it right every time, that God is the God whose eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. God is up close and personal. I want to end very quickly with a story. Many of you know I went on this Camino hike in Portugal and Spain, a pilgrimage walk, and everybody who was on that was doing the same thing, spiritual reflection time. Many of them not people of Christian faith. Uh, I had a number of people tell me, uh, I'm not very spiritual. And then we'd have a two-hour spiritual conversation. The God who's up close and personal is the God who's waiting to have relationship with all of God's creation. And God is just waiting for us to go on our communal walks and have time of silence so that we can hear the breath of God speak to us in quiet words as God says, I love you. You're special. You're in my heart. I haven't forgotten about you. You are mine. That's my God. What does yours look like?